Wow, great. It's so good to be with you again. Uh, a real privilege to, to be here. And uh, well done for kind of uh, pursuing God over what is going on in our nation and uh, uh, watching the TV all day um, and waving your little flags. I'm sure that's what you'd have been doing otherwise, but it's great to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, as Graham said, uh, my name's Andy. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm a husband to Hazel and a dad to Tom and Eddie. And uh, Tom and Eddie, uh, one's 24, one's 22, um, and uh, they're both getting married this year. Um, they decided it'd be helpful to do it all together, so uh, they're getting married within seven weeks of each other. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Hazel is unable to be with us because apparently having two weddings in the family means stuff needs to get done. <laughs> who, who knew? Um, apparently she needs two dresses. <laughs> what? What's that all about? I don't know. I, I, I promise I'll change my shirt. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so, yeah, so they're both uh, getting married. So the balance of hormones is going to be starting to swing back towards Hazel's favour in the house as I gain two uh, wonderful daughters-in-law. Uh, and uh, it's great. I don't have girls, so they, they know they're going to get spoiled rotten, and they do. Um, so much of the boys discuss, because I always side with the girls, whatever's going on. So, so uh, they, they kind of realise which side their bed's broth. Bed bread is buttered very quickly, um, but they're amazing girls, and it's great to uh, to just have them joining our family, which is brilliant. Um, I'm on staff at, at King's Church and lead the uh, staff team and and the eldership team there, and uh, it, it's uh, it's really good. Now we've had a really tough year last year. It could be really easy for me to get up here and and tell stories that makes it look like that, that Horsham's under an open heaven and that all that glitters really is gold and the grass is much greener in Horsham than it is anywhere else. One thing I've discovered is it still needs mowing. Um, and uh, the grass can always look greener somewhere else, can't it? But trust me, it still needs cutting. And uh, we've had a, we had a tough year last year. Um, and uh, that's just me being honest and open with you. Sometimes I think you can hear these amazing stories and think nothing ever goes wrong. You know, where that preacher comes from, nothing ever goes wrong. Well, trust me, it, it went wrong. And uh, it was really, really heartbreaking and very difficult, probably the most difficult year of my Christian life. Uh, if I'm honest with you. But one thing I, I realised and, and found through that is God is good. He is always good. And uh, actually, it's, uh, it's one of those things you look back and you think, yeah, I've learned stuff. Um, personally, I'd have preferred to have learned it another way. Um, but God in his, his wisdom decided that that was the way we were all going to learn, what we were going to learn. So it's been an interesting year, but we came out of that year, uh, beginning of this year, and just refocusing on what we call keeping the main thing the main thing. Um, and God had spoken to us about that. And, and for us, that meant pursuing his presence or bust. It was you know, that prayer of Moses, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't send us up from here. You know, that was our focus. We wanted to be a people led by the Spirit, shaped by the Spirit, and known because of the Spirit. And that seems a bit weird for us to say that because we're Brits on one hand and Christian on the other, which just means that like we don't say stuff. But the reality is, is we want to be a people shaped by the presence of God, led by the presence of God, and known because of the presence of God. And that's actually what Moses prayed when he prayed that prayer. And he said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. He then said, because how will people know that we're any different to anybody else? if your presence isn't with us. So he, he, he was saying, if your presence isn't with us, 
then how, how will they know how are we any better from the other do-gooders? Because there's lots of them about, and some of them are doing a better job than the church, just putting it out there. But the reality is, is we don't have to do it better than them. We should try, and that should be our objective. But the reality is, what will separate us from them isn't that we're doing a better job. It's because we're doing it with the presence of God with us. And that's what... That's what's going to separate us and shape us. And, you know, I'll tell you a, a story very recently from our church. So as we kind of pursued God's, God's presence, first two weeks of the year, I just preached on that. Let's just keep the main thing the main thing. And on the third week, Holy Spirit turned up like you would not believe. It was just, I didn't get to preach, just the presence of God was so thick. Um, the prophets prophesied and actually shaped and changed the destiny of our church from that point on. I don't think that would be an understatement of kind of what, what God did. And, and, and since then, there's just been that sense of keeping the presence of God the main thing. And a, a lady came to our church just a few weeks ago, and um, she'd never been to church in her life. I mean, she was the definition of unchurched. She'd never, never read a Bible, never picked up a Bible. Um, and she came to church, she works in Tesco's, and uh, she came to church because her friend had invited her. So one of our members was working on the tills with her, and this lady said to me afterwards, she said, the only reason I came was because I'd run out of reasons to give not to come. <laughs> so the persistent widow, she was, they were really just, she go, I just got to, I, couldn't, I just couldn't think of anything else to give as an excuse that I hadn't already used. So she came, and she said that when she walked into the room, she said she just became overwhelmed with emotion. So nothing was going on. She just walked into the room. And she said it was just the, the kind of atmosphere was the word she used. Just she felt so emotional. And then as the worship started, two songs in, I felt prompted just to, to, to ask if people wanted to get to know Jesus who didn't know them. So that is like not in any, any book you'll get taught on kind of how to lead a meeting. Two, two songs in is not the time to go for an altar call. Um, but the Holy Spirit said, go for it. And this lady's hand was up before she knew what was going on and before I knew what was going on. Now, again, just to be authentic, she didn't give her life to Jesus that time, but it was the beginning of her journey. And she just said, I, just, I thought, well, if this is Jesus, I'm in. And so she was just overwhelmed because... She'd come and encountered the very presence of God. And, and really, that's what I want us to focus on and, and, uh, this morning, is to look at how can we be led by the Spirit? What does that really mean? You know, I said that every kind of book on how to lead a church, how to lead a meeting would say, don't give an altar call, two songs in. But actually, Holy Spirit didn't write those books necessarily. He was involved I hope. <laughs> but sometimes things happen outside the box. And we need to be led by what the Spirit's doing in the moment. And what does that, what does that mean? What does that feel like? Now, we'd all probably say we're led by the Spirit, if I was to ask you. Oh, yeah, of course I am. But what does that, what does that really mean? And how do we get better at it? I thought that would be a good thing to look at for us uh, today. And so before we get there, I want to talk about a thing that I call a theology gap. Okay, now theology gap is the distance between what you believe and what you experience. 
Okay? A theology gap is the distance between what you've agreed to in your mind and what expectation you have in your heart. And we have massive theology gaps. Because I know that you believe that because we're full of the Holy Spirit, you can raise the dead. How big is your theology gap? See, I know you believe that you can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. But how big is your theology gap? And so I think it's important for us to consider what we mean because actually we're, we're well taught. We're New Frontiers churches. We have a great theology of the Spirit. But what is our theology gap like? What's your expectation of the theology that you hold? What is your expectation of an experience of the theology that you hold? And so... I want us to consider that this morning as we look at those things. It's important, essential, that we have good theology. It's important and essential that is our theology that grounds us and then we look to close the gap between that theology and our expectation or experience of it. What we mustn't do is readjust our theology around our experience. We bring our experience into line with our theology. And that's the danger sometimes, because we can look to close the theology gap by moving our theology closer to our experience or our lack thereof. And so we have to be really careful. So our theology is really important. That isn't what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's not important. It's really important. It's essential. But we need to make sure that we, we're not moving it to fit with our experience or more often our lack thereof of experience. Now, our revelation is unfolding and so we do move on our theology. I'm not saying it never moves, but we have to be really careful that we're not just moving it based on experience. Because that's where weirdness comes in. Is that okay? You're with me? You're getting me? Okay, so that's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about throwing theology out. What I'm doing is, is saying, let's hold the line of the radical middle, which says, this is our theology. Now, what do we, what do we need to do to bring our experience into line with that? And that's really what I want us to look at as we consider what it, what it is to be led by the Spirit um, and how do we close that, that gap between what we understand and what we know, and what I know you know, to actually putting it in, pr in place and actually living a life that's led by the Spirit, um, not just having the understanding of it. So that's, that's really where I'm looking to go. You coming? Yeah. Good. Okay, great. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 4, verse 1, um, we'll start by looking at Jesus, who's our example of, in everything. He was someone who was led by the Spirit. And there are many examples that we could look at, that we could use. But I think probably the most well-known one, uh, well one is, is his baptism. 
And we read this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And so the first thing we have to realize is to be led by the Spirit, we need to be full of the Spirit. We need to be full. And the first apostles clearly made this the main thing. It was one of the main things that they always went after. So as people received the gospel, the apostles made sure that apostolic foundations were being laid. And that meant seeing every believer full of the Spirit. It's not a do you fancy it, don't you fancy it. It it was what they did. They went around mopping up after evangelists who were bringing people to faith and make sure that the foundation of being full of the Spirit was laid. It's an apostolic foundation of the church that believers are full of the Spirit. Acts 19 verses 1 to 7 says this, And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It was the first thing he asked them. He said, you know, he met them, he said, we're disciples, we're disciples of Jesus, we're believers. And he said the first thing, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How often do you ask that? You meet someone and says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Interesting question. Might be some interesting answers as well. And they said, no, we've not even heard there was a Holy Spirit, or there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. So the first question that Paul asks them, as I've said, is did you receive the Spirit when you believed? These people were saved, they were disciples, they were believers. But Paul doesn't presume that being a Christian means that you're full of the Spirit. And he he asks them that question. Equally, when you're full of the Spirit, when you receive the Spirit... When you're baptized in the Spirit, there is evidence. There's evidence. It's not a theological exercise. It's an experiential exercise of your theology. It's not a mental ascent. It's an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. And when he fills you, there's evidence. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We got any Pentecostals in the house? Yeah, we should all be Pentecostals. (laughs) Because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power. There's evidence. The Holy Spirit we just read came on them and they spoke in tongues and some prophesied. And so it wasn't a theological event. It wasn't them saying, oh, I now understand the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. What it was, was they encountered the Holy Spirit. 
and what Paul was doing with closing their theology gap. And that's what I expect when I pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I expect them to speak in tongues. Just because the Bible, you know, there's four encounters when the Holy Spirit comes on people. Three of those, they speak in tongues. And one of them, it looks like they speak in tongues. It doesn't explicitly say. But what is clear in all of those encounters was there's evidence. It says here they spoke in tongues and prophesied. It doesn't always have to be tongues, although that's my expectation because it's a gift from God to build up the inner man. So it's a tool that God's given us. So when we're feeling a bit ucky, we can speak in tongues. It says it builds up the inner man. So that's my expectation, but more than that, it's an expectation that something will happen. There's an encounter. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So there needs to be that closure of a theology gap. So when we're praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're looking to close that theology gap for them. So there's an encounter and it's evidence. And so often I'll say to, you know, people say, I'll say, are you baptized in the Spirit? Well, I don't really know. I think so. I think they're probably not then. Because you know so. If there's evidence, you know so. It's the whole point when a lawyer goes into a courtroom, he has to produce evidence beyond reasonable doubt. So when we get baptized in the Spirit, there needs to be evidence beyond reasonable doubt. And so there's, there's that encounter. And so, I'm, I'm, I mean, is, is the Holy Spirit speaking to someone right now? Just that sense of, do you know what? I'm not sure. There's evidence. Don't be, don't be embarrassed if that's you. Because we can fix it. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> Anybody feel like that? Okay. Can you just stand for a moment, if you like? Would you be bold enough to stand? Anyone else? There's a moment of grace when you stand. Thank you. Now, all, I, all, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray a very quick prayer, but then at the end I'll ask you to come forward so we can minister to you. This isn't going to happen in a second. Keep standing. I'm going to pray. There's blessing coming. You can have the, this blessing for free, and then you can come and get ministry. But something, actually, when we stand, it's like we're really going for it. We're doing business with God. So I just want to pray for these two ladies that have stood. Father, I ask you, thank you for their courage. Lord God, and we pray, Lord, as we minister to them after, Lord God, we are praying for that theology gap to get closed, that there will be an encounter with you, Holy Spirit, that will be beyond reasonable doubt. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so do come forward when, uh, when we go for it at the end. And, and you know what it is to be led by the Spirit, to be full of the Spirit? We have to stay full. We have to stay full. And uh, this is both, there's an initial event where you encounter God's power, but we have to stay full. And, and Paul's commandment to the Ephesians church when he says, be filled with the Spirit, and I'm sure you've all heard this before, is this, that, that sense of it's, it's, it's done and it continues to be done. There's that sense of be being filled. I know you know that, you've heard it before, but it's, it's, it's more than just... 
a nice saying, there's that sense of it being a regular pattern of your life. Okay, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, let this filling be a, a regular pattern of your life. So for us to be led by the Spirit, we need to be full of the Spirit, but we, we need to have that filling becoming a regular pattern of our lives. And that's what be being filled means. It, it's a nice saying, and we probably all can say it, and we can all like let it trip off our tongue, but it means for it to be a regular pattern of our lives. You know, in this country, when you go for a coffee or whatever, you know, they rip you off, don't they? Just putting it out there. <laughs> and so how many cups of coffee do you have when you, when you go out to Costa's or Starbucks? Uh, no matter how long you're there, it's only if you're there a really long time. And the other person then offers to buy you one that you'll have a second one. <laughs> All right? I've been out for coffee with some of you. I know how it goes down. <laughs> but in the States, have you been to the States? Free refills. Come on. I'll tell you one time I was, when, I was, when I had a proper job. Um, I, was, I was flying out of a tiny little airport uh, in a place called La Crosse in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, my plane was delayed. I didn't know why. So I just went up to the coffee shop, bought a coffee, thought, well, I'll wait there. And now it's a tiny little airport. The, the, you know, the guy at the desk said, I'll come and get you. That's how small it was, all right? <laughs> and I had a cup of coffee. And it, and it get delayed and delayed. And Air Force One was coming in to this tiny little airport. And I, I, eventually I was able to walk under the wing of Air Force One. That's how small the airport was. I had to walk to my plane, right? <laughs> but I was in that coffee shop for five hours, and I bought one cup of coffee, but I was bouncing off the walls but <laughs> by the end because there's free refills. And as we think about God and the Holy Spirit, he's a God of free refills. There's free refills. You can keep coming back for more. It's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. So if we're going to be led by the Spirit, we have to be full of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. We have to have a lifestyle of Free refills of keeping going back. He's so good. But there's got to be that desire to keep going. And sometimes there's hardship comes and, and difficulty comes. And, and it's then when we've got to go, oh, am I really going to push in for another, another refill? And I just, I, I kind of feel like Holy Spirit's just saying right now, I just felt like there's someone here who has come this weekend or today and thinking, God, I need you to speak to me or I'm done. I'm just done. It's a difficult situation, a hardship, difficulty, something like that, and you just kind of feel like something's got to happen or I'm done. Is that anyone? I know that's a big thing, but actually there's a breakthrough coming. Well done. Well done. Can I just grab some ladies to go and pray for that lady over there? I just feel like you're that, the lady with the issue of blood, you know, just pushing in. You've just done everything. You've tried everything. You've been everywhere. And now you're just in that place of saying, God, I'm done. If you don't turn up, I'm done. He's going to turn up. So, Father, I just pray right now. Lord, thank you that you go after the one 
Lord, would you stop a conference of hundreds for the one? Thank you. Thank you for that. And just minister, we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you minister to whatever she needs right now? Father, we ask, touch her heart, heal her heart, help her situation, I pray. Lord God, fill her afresh. Fill her afresh. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray for that special touch of Holy Spirit right now. We'll pray and minister to you afterwards as well if you're okay with that, but the team will keep going now. That's fine. They're, they're used to this kind of mess as I speak. All right, But that's okay. Don't get distracted by, particularly if you're over there, what's going on over there, but, but just press in. So there's that, that sense of like needing to be refilled. And, and so... Again, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Like, but if you feel, who's feeling less than full right now of Holy Spirit? Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll minister <laughs> afterwards for, for some time, it would seem. Um, <laughs> but God wants us to be, to be filled and to be full. The reality is, is that we're called to a great mission. We've been called to something amazing but you can only minister out of the overflow. Because if you don't, you will crash and you will dry up. You'll get depressed. You'll get defeated. You'll get tired. You'll get all of those things. We have to minister out of the overflow. And so that's why we have to have a lifestyle of being filled with the Spirit so we can be led by Him. So I'll try and... Sorry, I'm, I'll try and keep on point. So... It's important that we are full of the Spirit, that we keep being filled with the Spirit if we're going to be led by the Spirit. And the next thing we read in that passage that we read about Jesus' baptism, it says that Jesus was full of the Spirit, and then it says he was, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so what, is that, what do we really mean when we read that? being led by the Spirit. Let's have a look at what Jesus articulated about it in John 15, 19. He said to them, Truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So the key to this is Jesus was sensitive to the Holy Spirit to the point where he'd only say what he heard the Father saying, or he'd only do what he saw the Father doing. He did nothing from his own initiative. Just let that one sink in a bit. Did nothing from his own initiative. He took his lead from the Father. And the problem that we have is, is that we live in a culture that prizes independence. We live in a culture where doing our own thing or valuing and exercising our free will is above all things. That's our culture. Your right to live your way. To identify with whatever you want to identify with. That's your will. That's what they prize. All this stuff, you know, about I identify with this, I identify with that. You know, I was laughing with my, my boys. I probably shouldn't. But, you know, it was like when I, Eddie was like nine to, uh, nine, 19, 17, you know. And so I said to him, well, you should go into the pub, see if you can buy a drink. And he goes, well, they won't let me. I'm not 18. We'll just say, well, I identify with being 18. 
and you have to treat me how I identify myself. So I identify as being 18, so give me a beer. <laughs> and he said, but, but I'm not 18. I said, I don't know. It's a crazy world we live in, isn't it? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So, so we prize our will over everything, even over the reality of the facts. That's how much we prize our will. And the reality is that does seep into the church. But the reality is, is the culture of the kingdom is not the culture of this world. We're not to conform to the pattern of this world. Paul says this in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to transform our minds. Our thinking needs to change so that we can determine Father's will. Because the only way for us to be led by the Spirit to do what, is to do what the Father is doing. And the only way we can do that is to be led by his will, to know what his will is. So we need to align ourselves with the Father's will over and above our own will. Now, have you ever considered that Jesus' will was different to the Father's will? Now, that's a bit of a weird one to get your head around because we think of the Trinity and we think it's, you know, they're one God, which of course they are, but they are three persons. And it's very easy for us to think that there's a shared will. So they're different, but there's this amorphous bit mass in the middle that they're all connected to, so their will is exactly the same. But it's not. Because Jesus told us it wasn't. In the garden, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours. So his will was to remove the cup from me. But he submitted his will to the Father's will. The Son's will submitted to the Father. And, and we read that, John 5.30, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me, would suggest he's not doing it because that's what he, he wants to do. That's not to say he didn't want to do it. But what he's doing is I'm doing it because my will is submitted to my Father's will. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And sometimes our will isn't different to Father's will, is it? We want to do those things. I know Dave wants to raise the dead. His will's not different, but he still has to say, but I want to raise the dead, not because it's what I want, but because it's what God wants. And so we submit our will, even sometimes as though it's the same. It still needs to be submitted and so Jesus modelled for us what that submitted will looks like. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, you are actually praying, Lord, I want my will to be submitted to yours so your will can be done on earth, not mine. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the will of God is. 
And so being led by the Spirit, being full of the Spirit, means that we need to have our will subjected to Father's will so we know what it is that he's doing, so we know what it is that he's saying. And so when Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what you actually need to do is repent. Now, if I was to say to you, what does repent mean? You've all been well taught. It'll say it means turn around, go the other way, which it does. But it also carries with it that sense of change your thinking. It's not simply change your direction, which one has to do, but, but change your thinking. And so when Paul's saying, transform your mind, there's that sense of you've got to change your thinking. Repent. Repent from when it's actually more about our will than his will. We need to overcome the culture of this world by repenting of being part of it and then submitting our will to the will of the Father. And sometimes that's hard. And I just, I just kind of sensing maybe there's someone here that kind of feels like actually do you know what I'm struggling because my gift isn't actually being recognised in the church there's not been space made for my, for my gift is there anyone that feels like that to the point maybe you're even thinking Joe maybe it's time to move church is there anyone okay okay wonderful I'm not going to ask you to stand I, I'm going to pray though let's just pray Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel for you that actually there's a, a sense of, and I don't know if it's for you, but I think let's, let's just look at that process in and of itself. So not feeling there's room for, for my gift and stuff. And sometimes it is right to move on, but sometimes we have to come to a point of submitting our will Particularly if it's, a, if it's a prophetic gift, and I don't know if it is, but if it's a prophetic gift, the gift is there for the building up of the church. And sometimes we get, we get caught up in... Actually, we feel like sometimes the, the church is there for our gift rather than our gift there for the church. And so our gifts, Holy Spirit gives us gifts so that the church would be built up. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, if that's... If that's the case for people that have indicated or people that haven't, Lord, I just pray, would you, would you fill them with your spirit? Let them discern your will. Lord God, that whatever it is we have to bring is there to serve the church. So Father, we ask you to just meet and speak and reveal your will because it will be different in every circumstance. Amen. Amen. Okay, so actually, I think that's, you know, it's an important lesson while we're, we're on this kind of slightly sidetrack thing. But for us to remember, you know, particularly if you're carrying a prophetic, a prophetic gift, that actually the church isn't there to serve your gift. Your gift is there to serve the church. Um, and that's true of all, all of the gifts. But particularly that, that gift of the prophetic is to build up the church, and the, the church is built on, on the, the platform, on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Okay, but the platform that's being built is for the church. 
It's not building a platform for the gift. And so we have to just consider that. You know, consider that when we, we come maybe on a Sunday and we bring something and it's not used. You know, and then you've got the walk of shame. The long nut. It's not a walk of shame at all. It's not. It's a walk of courage. Walk of courage. But the reality is, is that, is that sometimes it's, just, it's not always, sometimes it's for you, sometimes it's, it's just not in context. All those different things, loads of reasons why. You know, Sashi came up earlier. I'm sure he won't mind me saying And if he does, I'm going to say it anyway. But it's easier to ask for, for forgiveness than permission, I've discovered. Um, but, you know, he came, he brought something, and we just thought, no, it's not, it don't, we don't think that's for now. Well, that's okay, because he's secure in his gift. He knows he's a son. He hasn't got to perform. He's not got anything to prove to me or anybody else. So he's okay. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so yeah, if you've been hurt because you've come home. <laughs> so, you know, so anyway, I'm digressing. But it's, I think it's just helpful that we, we kind of consider those things. So Jesus was full of the Spirit. He subjected his will to that of the Father. So from a place of submission and therefore authority, he could be led by the Spirit. John 12, 49, for I've not, spoke, I've not spoken, Jesus says, on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So as we sub- submit our will to that of the Father, as we hear what he's saying, then we get to speak on his authority. Because he's authorized us. There's an authority and an authorization that comes from the Father when our will is subjected to his will. We can hear what he's saying and see what he's doing and we can say it and we can do it. And subjecting our will to his will brings us under the authority and that isn't just a theological understanding. So it's not just I'm, I theologically understand that I have authority, but that should be practically and experientially as we step out and say what the Father's saying and do what the Father's doing. We can be confident we are actually in his authority, and that means something. It's not just to give us courage, which it does. It's not just to give us security, which it does. But it should give us like strength to actually go and do it because we're under his authority. And that authority with it comes that sense of authorization. So if you're doing something under someone's authority, then you're authorized to do it. If you're not under someone's authority, then you're not authorized to do it. And I said to you, didn't I, last year was a bit of a pig of a year and it, it, it was, and actually, what one of the things I learned through that, but there were things that actually that I was doing, that I was involved with, that I wasn't actually authorised to do. And it's hard to admit, but that's the reality. It wasn't always my will; wasn't always subjected to to His will. Um, 
I wasn't always just doing what the Father was doing. Often I was doing what I wanted to do. And for me, this could look like saying yes to like just about any and every invitation to come and speak. Because I like that. I love preaching. I love it that people love my preaching. You know, I love it that, that you get invited to, to come and preach. That there was a demand. I love the fact that the, the, the praise and the affirmation that comes with it, hopefully. <laughs> Just saying. But I was doing it because actually there was a difficult, it was difficult at home base and there wasn't a lot of that going on at home. And so I looked for it elsewhere. And so I did things I wasn't always authorised to do. But do you know what's so confusing? Is, is that God loves you more than he's worried about me doing what I shouldn't be doing. And that gets really confusing for me. Because I can be not authorised to do something, but because God loves you more than he, he's, he's worried about my failure, he starts blessing you and meeting you and doing stuff which can make it feel like I am authorised. But you know you're not. And so you have to get to that place of saying, what am I authorised to do where you're getting affirmation from the Father is enough that you don't need to be pursuing affirmation from others. And so whether you speak or you don't speak, whether you're in demand or not, it doesn't matter because your affirmation is coming from him. And he'll say, well done, if I've stayed at home, just as well as he'll say, well done, when I've gone, gone out. It's the same affirmation. It's the same affection. And so that's why I don't mind kind of kicking it about and saying, is there someone here? Is there someone here? Because even if there's not, it doesn't matter. Because God actually applauds courage. It's only us that applaud success. So he loves me just the same because I'm his favorite. I don't know if you know that, but it's true. And so are all of you. Each one is favourite. And so we have to be careful that our will is submitted, even though we're doing good things, and it could look like we're doing great things. Are you authorised to do them? If you're leading churches, are all the ministries that you're running, even the good ones, are you authorised to be doing them? Are you still authorised to do them? That's not to say you were never authorised. But is it still God's will? I'm just going to wait a minute there. Is there anyone, anyone tracking with this? You kind of got that sense of, okay, actually there's some things I know that I'm probably not authorised to do, but I'm doing them anyway. I'm in. I've already confessed to doing it. Well done. Anyone else? It's hard, isn't it? Sometimes put your hand up. Okay, I'll take the one. Father, we just ask, Lord God, that you would reveal your will really clearly to this individual. Lord, I pray, Lord, for their blessing. Lord, would you fill them with the Spirit? Lord, would you cause them to be transformed by the renewing of their mind that they may know what your good and perfect will is? And Holy Spirit, now that you've put your finger 
on the thing. I pray, give them courage to do what they need to do to put it right, we ask in your name and for your glory. Amen. Okay, so now we're full of the Spirit. We've got a lifestyle of being filled with the Spirit. We don't find security in our own performance, but the Father's love. So we can submit ourselves to his will. We know that we're affirmed whether we're doing what we want to do or not because it's what God wants to do that matters. And then we have to train ourselves to hear the Spirit because without the ability to hear him, we won't know what to say or do. And John 12, 49 says, Jesus speaking, For I have not spoken with my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And then Jesus said to his disciples as well, Luke 12, 11, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about what you should defend yourself or how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, this isn't a passage about not preparing sermons. I'm just putting it out there. All right? Well, just get up there and, you know, it's, it's more Holy Spirit anointed when you, when you preach without notes. Bunk them. Absolute bunk them. Because when you prepare diligently, God anoints that. And the Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of speaking to you before the event as he is during the event. It's only you that get impressed when it happens in the moment. (laughs) He's outside of time. Every moment is the moment. So you can speak to someone as they're preparing just as powerfully as if they just get up on the stage and utter the first thing that comes into their head. Don't be confused, the fact that they are uttering the first thing that comes into their head, that it's the Holy Spirit either. Might have been the cheese they had last night. Who knows? But I'm just saying. So anyway, this passage says that we have to learn to hear the Spirit. And one thing I've learned is he rarely raises his voice. He tends to speak in whispers. And people are often asking me, because of the way I preach and how I hear the Spirit, it's it's that whole sense of, is it in the moment or is it beforehand? And, And the truth is, it's both. Were you to look at my notes, you would see some red writing where I felt Holy Spirit had spoken to me about someone um, in, in the moment. So the, the person who responded to the just feeling done, that was something God gave me as I was preparing. Other things come in, in the moment. So it's not one or the other, it's, it's just knowing the Holy Spirit's voice when you hear it and doing something about it. So it can happen in all sorts of ways. Um, and so it, it's, it's about hearing his voice and knowing what his voice sounds like. And, and Jesus says this in John 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Okay, now the key thing there, I think, is, is that being led by the Spirit, it says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So, It's hearing and then doing. If we're sheep, his sheep of his pasture, then there's a sense of hearing his voice and then doing what he says. So that verse could say, my sheep hear my voice and they do what they hear me say. But Jesus said, I only do what I I see the Father doing. 
I only say what I hear the Father saying. There's that sense of hearing his voice and doing what he said. You know, don't you hate it when you tell someone something you think is really interesting and they go, oh, I knew that. <laughs> or you're telling someone something and they go, oh, yeah, I knew that three months ago. And you think, oh, that was my news, that was. Oh, they already knew. They say, oh, nobody likes a smart aleck, do they? You know? But, but what did they do with the information they had? Nothing. They just hung on to it so when you said it, they could say, I already knew. You, I find that hard, I'm just saying. All right? Now, the reality is, is that there's no point in that information if the whole purpose of it is just to say you already knew. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So when Dave's out raising the next dead person and he said, you know what? Jesus said we could raise the dead. Dave, if someone says, that, says this to you afterwards, yeah, I know, you can punch him. You got it from me. <laughs> All right? Because Dave hasn't raised anybody from the dead. This Dave has, but this one hasn't. So there's room to move. But my point is, is what's the point in knowing... And then just going, I know. When that knowledge hasn't moved you anywhere. Now, how many of you got teenagers or had teenagers? Okay. When you tell them to clean their room, <laughs> they hear you, but they don't follow you. They, and assuming they hear you, they've got no intention of following you. What, why? Because they, they're not interested. How many of you have said, oh, I don't even bother, I don't know why I bother to say anything? Any mums? I don't even know why I bother about your husband doing the dishwasher. Yeah, I don't even know why I bother to say anything. I wonder if sometimes when we don't hear the Holy Spirit, I don't think he thinks like this, but, oh, I don't know why I bother to speak. I would, if I was the Holy Spirit. Oh, why am I saying it? No one's listening. And if they are listening... They're not doing anything. They're just waiting to say, I know. <laughs> and so we've, we've, we've got to learn to hear his voice and then do what he says. And actually, the doing what he says is part of how we know we've heard his voice. Sometimes you've got to work out what was the cheese and what was him. And there's only one way you're going to find out. Try it out. Yeah. Now, just put a caveat in there. Do you know what I mean? If it endangers your life or somebody else's, <laughs> speak to your elders or some kind of professional. Um, but, <laughs> so it's not a caveat just to do the first crazy, stupid thing that pops into your head. Yeah? But there's that sense of... Because the Holy Spirit's never going to ask you to do anything that contradicts what's in the Bible. Okay? So when I hear... Oh, it's all right. I prayed and God said it was all right to sleep with my boyfriend. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. So we've got to make sure that it's in line with the Bible. So it's quite helpful if you know what's in there. So read the Bible. It's helpful. But there's that sense of go and do it. 
You've got to go and do it to find out if it's him speaking. And that's the only way you're going to know. And so when I was in, I was in Romania just a few uh, weeks ago, and um, before one of the meetings I was due to speak, I just felt Holy Spirit kind of give me what I hoped was a word of knowledge. Um, and the word of knowledge was this, was that there's a fear of blindness. He gave me the word cataracts, and then he gave me the phrase, a young person. Now, I'm no medic, but I know that cataracts is an old person's issue. So I'm now in this place of, is this cheese, or is this the Holy Spirit? Because that does not add up. Now, the reality is, is when you're in a sort of second world nation that's got really bad health care, and you've got a lot of old people in the room, a word of knowledge about cataracts would be like having a word of knowledge here about a bad back. Okay, you don't need one. So no, but I really felt it. So anyway, so I brought, this, I brought this word of knowledge, and guess what? Loads of old people stood up. Anyway, which is fine. And we prayed for them and went for them. But then you kind of think, okay, I'm secure. I don't have to perform. God's good. That's fine. Uh, maybe I didn't hear quite right, whatever. And then after the meeting, an old lady came up to me with her 20-year-old daughter. Her 20-year-old daughter had her first cataract operation when she was 11. She'd have five more, and, and there was that fear that they would continue not to work and that she would go blind. And so I was able to pray for her. I don't know what happened, but I go regularly. So I said, let's, let's find out what the Father will do. So when I come back next time, tell me kind of how the specialist appointments and everything has gone. So I don't, I don't know what the outcome is, but the reality was, was that that was, that was a risk because it didn't make sense to me. Um, and if you think that I'm not full of fear and trepidation when I bring a word of knowledge, you're wrong. <laughs> it's real scary, and it gets more scary when you're in front of more people. But when it gets really, 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 really scary is when I'm looking for the affirmation of those people. Because then if it doesn't happen, there's a sense of failure, there's a sense of, well, I'm not now going to get affirmed, and possibly, worse, I might get rejected. So that's when it gets really scary. Actually, the way to stop words and knowledge getting less scary is to work out where your affirmation comes from, where, where you're looking for your affirmation. And then it actually gets slightly, only slightly, <laughs> slightly less scary. Um, but the reality is, if, if we're going to be full of the Spirit, we're going to be constantly filled with the Spirit, we're going to subject our will to Father's will, we've got to learn to hear His voice, and then we've got to learn to take some risks. It doesn't just suddenly, oh, this is easy now. It's not. It's always a battle. But we have to hear his voice and follow. We have to hear his voice and follow. And did you know that you don't have to feel 110% brilliantly godly and very holy when you do that? Because God's good all the time. And even when you don't feel on top of the world... Actually, if you've learned to hear his voice, because it says with a, grain, a mustard seed, a grain, you can move a mountain. So how much of a mustard seed do you need to just bring a word of knowledge? Just probably a scraping, just the tiniest little bit. And so actually, your feelings don't necessarily 
determine the outcome because it's God that brings the outcome. And so I said to you, didn't I, last year was a bad year for me, but I was here. I spoke last year, um, probably mostly out of my love for Graham and Sarah and my love for Christ Central, and I said I'd do it, and I did it. Um, but you don't always feel in a, in a brilliant place, you know? You know what that feels like? But I don't know if you were here, who was here last year? Okay, good number of you. So uh, as I was speaking, um, I kind of felt Holy Spirit give me a, a word of knowledge for someone in the area of finances. We talked about finances, God want a breakthrough in finance, and we prayed for some people. Um, and while I, was, while I was sort of doing that and going after that, I felt God prompting me to actually go after impossible financial situations, which is not something you want to hear when you're not kind of on top of your game. You, you think, well, we can pray for finances, that's fine. But impossible financial situations was the word of knowledge that I had. Um, and uh, it was really interesting bringing it. Someone responded and we, and we prayed um, for them, uh, both in the moment and, and afterwards. And then three days after the conference last year, I received this message on Facebook. It says, thank you for a great message on Saturday. I'm one of the people hoping for financial relief as my family are heavily in debt through no fault of our own. We've had to sell our family home because of years of antisocial behaviour, fly tipping and crime. We had two small children and it's been one of the most traumatic experiences ever. We've had, we had also lost uh, my husband's sister to a sudden death a year before and we're still reeling from that. And she was healthy and only 43. We've been left with a large mortgage debt to pay off as the house sold for next to nothing. But, uh, but we've just had to move and rent somewhere to keep our family safe. It's pretty bleak, and we would love to buy the house where we are renting. This house is ideal for us, but we're both working hard, but getting nowhere. Your message gave me hope that we might find a way out. So thank you. So that was pretty awesome. So I said, I'll pray. We'll keep praying, and I offered some practical advice, to which she responded this. Thanks, Andy. Yes, we are receiving debt counselling, which has helped, but the amount is a lot. We may need to consider insolvency, but don't really want to, as it feels like a double punishment and humiliating when we haven't done anything wrong. I'm praying for the means to offer a full and final payment so we don't have to resort to insolvency. I fully believe that this is the year it will happen. My husband is a non-Christian, and he thinks I've got a screw loose. <laughs> Her words, not mine. But I've seen God do many incredible things, and I'm literally visualising laying this whole situation at the cross. I'm keeping this family, emotion, this family going emotionally, and God is keeping me going. And then in October this year, I received this. Hey, Andy, hope you're okay. I just wanted to let you know that God responded to all my requests, both with wisdom and finance in abundance. I've asked him for the confidence to even tackle this issue as it seemed so terrifying and out of my comfort zone to deal with the finances. And then on the 3rd of March this year, she wrote this. Hey, Andy, I just wanted to update you. When you and we prayed for finances at Pursuing His Presence last May, I prayed, but I didn't really expect to receive. This year, I'll be praying a prayer of thanks because God has answered, and it was incredible. We paid off our massive, massive debt in December which we were considering insolvency for. It was more than mine and my husband's combined annual income. We also paid off other debts that have been hanging around in the background due to this whole situation. 
and this is perhaps the best bit, because we managed to resolve our debts and hadn't been irresponsible, just unlucky, we were offered a very cheap mortgage on this house we are living in, which we were desperate to buy but never thought we'd be in a position to. We signed for the house on Monday, and we've gone from debt and misery, thinking we'd be bankrupt this year, to buying a house and no debt. I'm so looking forward to pursuing his presence this year, so I can say thank you. Great. Where's Amanda? Where are you? Well done. God is so good. So I'm going to pray, but afterwards, uh, Amanda will come down the front with me. So if you've got an impossible financial situation, she's going to release, give to you what she's freely received. Okay, so we'll, we'll pray for you. But Father, we thank you, Lord, for that testimony. Lord, you are so good. You are truly, truly good. And we love you. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, you move when we pray. Thank you, Lord God, that when you speak, you act. Father, I thank you that what you order, you pay for. Uh, Lord, we just delight in that incredible story of breakthrough for your glory. Amen. 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 So as I say, look, testimony, you know, built into it, and the root of the words is that sense of doing it again, repeat, go again. So if that's you, if you're in a similar situation, then, then actually you can respond to a testimony because God is good, and if he's done it for them, he'll do it for you. And so come and, come and get prayer. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. Um, and actually, there's, there's lots to learn from it, but that, there's that sense of, I, told, I said, you know, even when I wasn't feeling it, you know, I've learned to hear his voice, and hearing his voice is about following him. And so even when you're not really feeling it, it's all right, because just so you know, and this may have passed you by, but it's not about you, um, and, and you're not doing anything. He's doing it all. So actually, as long as we, we're, sh- we're sure we're hearing his voice, and we're following what he says, then he'll, he'll do it. So, we're in a situation where we want to be full of the Spirit, we keep being filled with the Spirit, we want to have our will subjected to his will, so we're only doing what he says, that means we're authorised, we carry his authority to do it, we're learning to hear his voice and do it. This is what being led by the Spirit is. So, what stops you? What stops us? And the reality is, and I've already alluded to it already, is fear. Now, fear is a big topic um, and covers all sorts of things. But I want to just drill in on, on, on a couple of things that I've mentioned already. And that's the fear of rejection and or the fear of failure. Because they're really biggies when you come to doing this. Both of these things have their root in orphan-heartedness. An orphan draws their sense of worth and value and fulfillment actually from the praise of men. And I talked to you and said that's kind of where, where I'd been at actually in some, to some degree. And I don't know, but if you, if anyone done the five love languages? Is it Gary Chapman done that? If, if your primary love language is like mine, which is affirmation, I just want to put it out there that there is a propensity to this orphan-heartedness. Because if your primary love language, the way you feel most loved, is through affirmation, there is a weakness, a propensity towards pursuing the things that give you affirmation rather than going to him. It's a counterfeit, uh, it's a counterfeit love. It's what I call a, uh, a, a kind of um, 
you replace it instead of Jesus. It's a functional saviour. And so, you know, I just say, beware. If that's your primary love language, not, nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying, just beware where you look to see it fulfilled. And, uh, and so that, that fear of rejection, because your tendencies towards others affirming you, 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 the worst thing that could happen if your primary love language is affirmation is rejection. And so often we're avoiding rejection. So it might not be that you're, you're, you're in your head, I am seeking affirmation, but it may be that you're just avoiding rejection. So you won't do anything that you think won't be approved of. Which could be difficult if God's asking you to do something. And particularly for leaders, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we doing things or not doing things because we're fearful of the rejection that might come if we do them. And actually it's got its root in affirmation and a counterfeit saviour. It's an orphan-hearted issue. And so we have to be, be really careful. And, and so we need, to, we need to see that fear go. And because that fear has come from an orphan heart, I can't cast it out. You know, Paul says to Timothy about having a, a spirit of fear. Don't give way to the spirit of fear. And sometimes there is a spirit of fear, and it can be cast out. But what I'm talking about here comes from an orphan heart. And so it can't be cast out. It has to be displaced. And so a fear that originates from an orphan heart has to be displaced, and it gets displaced by the love, affirmation of a father. And so if, if we are going to see breakthrough as we're led by the Spirit, particularly if these fears are the ones that we, we have, fear of rejection um, or fear of failure, then it's not about casting them out. It's, it's, it's having the love of a father fill our heart that we know that we are sons and that we're approved of no matter what we do. And actually, how we measure failure isn't how the kingdom measures failure. You know, any, any group of us could go out on the street over lunchtime and pray for the sick. And if I went out on the street and Graham went out on the street and we both individually went off and prayed for the sick and Graham saw someone healed and I didn't, in our culture, we'd affirm Graham. What did he do that I didn't do? Nothing. So why do we affirm him? Because we perceive success and failure. But actually, we're both successful because we both exercised courage. We both heard the Spirit and we followed. And God in his sovereignty chose to heal one person and not another. I don't know how that works. One day I will, but it'll be too late to explain it to you. <laughs> but then you'll know anyway. So that'll be all right when he comes again. And so actually as a church, we need to learn what we're affirming. So we should be affirming courage. We both went and did what God asked us to do. We applaud success because we love it when God does stuff. Of course, but we're applauding him, not him. And so we, we can help one another with this. We cast out fear if it's a spirit of fear, but we displace fear if it's a fear that comes from an orphan heart. And if you want to hear more about orphan-heartedness, then you can come tomorrow. And I'm speaking on the Father Heart of God. So there you go. You can have a bit more.
Um, so I think it's important that we understand that, these things, if we want to be led by the Spirit. And so actually, before I, I go on, is there anybody tracking with that? You just kind of feel, you know what you're saying about fear of failure or rejection? That is where I'm at. Can you just stand where you are? Thank you, Jesus. Because, folks, it's, it, it's from that, that place of true sonship that we'll be led by the Spirit. Yes, there's things we put in place, being full of the Spirit, a lifestyle of being filled with the Spirit, our will submitted to His will, being authorized by Him, but operating as a son, hearing His voice and following all comes from a place of sonship. Thank you, Jesus. Is the keyboard player still in the house? I've just gone to the toilet. All right, would someone just hum? That'll be fine. Oh, there we go. Multi-talented pastor. Let's just wait on the spirit a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're not standing, then just still connect to him. We'll see what the Spirit will do. We're in no rush. We've got time. Thank you, Father. For those that have stood, just if you're happy just to reach your hands out a little, take up that posture of receiving. We're not going to cast out a spirit of fear. We're going to ask God to come by his Spirit and displace it with the knowledge of your sonship, of your daughtership. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. Just come right now. Thank you, Jesus. If you're stood and you can feel Holy Spirit doing something, like that guy who's now sat down, um, I'll just invite you to come. Would you come to the front so some of the team can just start ministering personally to you? So if you can really sense, if you're stood and you can really feel Holy Spirit on you, then if you can, get to us. Get to us. If everyone could just kind of just begin ministering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. keep receiving, just ask him to come. Thank you, Lord. If you stood earlier when we were talking about you need a fresh filling of the Spirit, you know that you've been baptized in the Spirit, but that sense of being, being filled again, a lifestyle of being filled. If you kind of responded to that earlier, why don't you stand as well? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Again, whenever you kind of, if you're feeling a real sense of weightiness of the Spirit on you, just come find your way down to the front somewhere. Someone will get to you. 
man worked out, I like this sense of actually responding. And so if you, if, if you start to feel a weight of the Holy Spirit come on you, then we just want to come and join in with what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Part of learning to hear his voice is taking time to wait and listen. And often we're, we're quick to run away. I just, as you sat or if you stood, just, just wait on him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's a couple of able-bodied men that wouldn't mind just coming and uh, acting as catchers. Uh, we might be needing some of that. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. If there is anybody that's not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then uh, if you just would like to come down the front, it might be unusual in a context like this, but just want to give space. If you need to be baptized in the Spirit for the first time, then please just come and see us. If you're kind of uh, part of the Jubilee Church and you're happy to come and pray I just need some ladies to come and come and pray some, so if you're on a ministry team or a home group leader or maybe someone like that lady we just could do with some to come and pray if you're still waiting for someone to pray with you can you just pop your hand up if you're down the front here if you're waiting for someone to pray with you just put your hand up so I've got two ladies down here Three. Great. Just one more lady to come and pray. It'd be great. There we go. Great. Thank you, Lord. So if you do, just come down the front because you feel Holy Spirit on you. Just pop your hand up so I can see that you're waiting and we can find someone to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Just someone else, another lady come and pray would be really helpful. Thank you. Great. Bless you, Lord. You wait for prayer. And some guys to come and pray over here would be really helpful. Dave. Thanks, mate. Another lady to pray would be great. I know this is what the end of the conference is supposed to look like, but God's good. So if you need some breakthrough in some of those areas, I was talking about subjecting your will. You know actually sometimes it's more about what you want than what he wants. Just come and get some prayer. Operating outside of authorization. Come and get some prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lord. Got some other ladies just to pray for this lady over here. would be helpful. Thank you, Jesus. Are you waiting for prayer or are you praying? For being prayed for. Okay, great. Okay, great. Come in. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. spoke to me earlier from Isaiah and it says in the year that King Isaiah died I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple and we are that temple and then he reminded me of, of Ruth who lay at Boaz's feet and she asked Boaz to cover her feet again the train of his robe to cover her feet because the Lord was Boaz was her nearest kinsman her kinsman redeemer and then he reminded me too that in Ephesians he talks about the train uh, taking captives of men um, I'll read it out I, I can't remember the exact words but it talks about giving gifts to men. And what I felt was that, that God has gifts for people today, that we are yeah. his temple, and the train of his robe is covering us, and he has gifts to give us. He, he gives 
He ascended on high and he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men and I just feel that God has specific gifts for people here today. Well done. Well done. It's great. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Anyone else waiting for prayer? Just pop your hand up just so I can see. So a gentleman over there, that's great. Anyone else needing prayer? That's great. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm just going to pray and close this session. If you're still being ministered to, that's absolutely fine. Um, and there's time for that. It's only lunch. So you can feed on the bread of heaven. It'll be fine. But let me just close the session and then you're free to do lunch. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are such a good, good Father. And we thank you that because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, you've sent us the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask you, would you continue to fill us? Would you continue to help us subject our will to the will of the Father, that we will only do what we see him doing or say what we hear him saying, that we might see your glory come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your attention. And uh, be blessed as you have your lunch. Father, we pray for our food, whatever it is, wherever we're going to eat it. We ask you to bless it and our fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful.